this is Woke Women Writing. Thank you for joining. I am your host, Michaela, and I hope you had a lovely weekend or a week or wherever you're at. So, the idea of this podcast is to kind of read some feminist books together or kind of have different conversations about it. And yeah, just kind of like have this space where you can listen to me because it's not really two ways or one way a conversation where I can talk about different feminist things and yeah, so based on like these certain books that I'm reading and learning about and you can follow along too if you want. So right now I'm in the middle of reading this book called Unladylike written by Christine Conger and Caroline Irvin, and it is illustrated very beautifully by Tyler Fida. Cool. Um, I'm just going to talk about, about my weekend a little bit. Um, it was a nice weekend. I went to my partner's place, spent the night there, and then I went to the market in my city, and then today, which is Sunday, I went to church, both in my city, and then I traveled to Amsterdam as well, to meet some new people, and it was very nice, and then I got home, and I noticed it's getting harder and harder for me to, um, record this, because I had a very good structure of me recording it Saturday mornings, but now I'm typically not home on Saturday mornings, so I gotta, like, find a new time, either Friday mornings or Sunday evenings, like now, uh, and it's getting a little bit, a little bit difficult for me to, uh, put it in my schedule, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's cool. Also, I have a interview Wednesday for an internship, so we'll see how that goes. I'm excited for that. And last Friday, I turned in a thesis. My thesis, yeah. Uh, my graduation project. So I have this big weight lifted off of my shoulders. And I still have lots of schoolwork to do, like a presentation and some resets, but the big thing is finished. Don't have a grade yet. But I feel okay about it, you know? I really took a lot of time with my research and my, my data stuff and just writing it. So, yeah, I feel good about that. I hope you guys are doing well in either your studies or your work environment or just whatever responsibilities responsibilities you have at home. Uh, I know it's a pandemic still, so some places are open, some places are not. But either way, I hope you're making those money moves, you know, I hope you're getting that bread. Alright, cool. So, this week, we are talking about chapter 6, we're starting chapter 6. We're going to break this one up in two, because it's a little bit longer, and I want to start cooking dinner soon. Uh, this is called chapter 6, Creep Factors, Urgence, Chivalry, and Sex Objects. Okay. So, fun stuff. So, first thing I want to talk about is, like, creepiness, right? Uh, creep factor. And how basically feeling creepiness, or feeling feeling creeped out, let's say, is, like, it's basically, like, the, what word did they use? Is it, It's about the uncertainty of threat. And you think that might be something to worry about. You're not sure if you if it's justified to be worried about or not. But and you don't know if you need to, like, start protecting yourself. 
in a very um, ego way, not ego, very important way, or if it's if you're safe enough just to sit there and do what you need to do. Um, I've definitely got creep gotten creeped out on the bus going from Central Station to my village. Uh, today I was creeped out by a guy sitting behind me. And he didn't really do anything. I think he just made eye contact with me and like accidentally bumped into me while he was walking in. And because I kind of live in the middle of nowhere, I get more anxious when I get off the bus. And if someone... A stranger gets off the bus with me, uh, and I've—I don't really know what to do in that case. And if I feel like I'm being followed, I started uh, biking to my bus stop instead of walking, so that I can get home quickly. And if someone who gets off my bus stop and doesn't live there, you know, they won't have a bike waiting for them like I do, and I can—I can quickly bike away if I need to. And, I mean, he didn't get off of my stop, so that was unneeded creepiness. But, yeah, it's just, it's there. And I want to go into why, why we have this feeling of creepiness towards men. And perhaps some men have a creepiness feeling towards women, but I don't think it's in the same degree. Because there isn't that power dynamic, you know? So, like, it's, it is from that power dynamic, you know, of, like, this man can, is more powerful than me in a way, and that's scary, and, like, you know, we, we were raised in a setting where parents were probably more concerned about their daughters getting home safe and their sons getting home safe, you know, like, we we grew up with that, so uh, that's why was we still hear that in a way, you know? And what do they say here? You know, like, you don't know if you should respond at all, or maybe that guy's just being nice to you. Maybe you're just being crazy. Um, there's a, it's the possibility of something bad happening. And especially, like, if somebody you should be able to trust, friend, family, teacher, boss. And so sometimes I I had these coaches for my graduation project. And one of them was a somewhat obvious uh, gay man who was helping us out from our um, school program itself. And then the other coach is somebody that they outsourced. So the man that they outsourced, sometimes he would say something that I was a little bit off. But it wasn't enough to, like, kind of speak up about it. Or maybe our text, like, the, the students in the group chat about it. But it was never enough for me to say something in a meeting. Um, for example, last week we had a last meeting with them. And we were talking about our presentation. And he was, like, he was like giving us tips. Like, yeah, you know, make sure you're in a space where there's, it's uh, quiet. So no birds flying around. Which I always, I have a bird in my house. So that's why he said that. And then he's like, also maybe not have like good looking women in the background of your of you presenting at home. Uh which I thought was a little bit off. And then I think he tried to correct himself and be like, oh, or good looking men or or something. But I was just like Okay. Okay. I don't like that comment, but okay. Yeah. And 
yeah, of course, of course, like, there's always, like, the asking for it factor, um, and patriarchy pressures women to, like, second guess if we could have, like, dodged this situation of men harassing us, and it's always, like, what were you wearing, were you drinking, um, did you tell anybody immediately, like, did you do everything in your power to avoid getting harassed, like, physically, everything in your power, which is, like, if you get harassed on the street, or not on the street, whatever, your first thought isn't, like, I need to protect myself, like, you might freeze, you might just, like, feel frozen, anyway, yeah, so then, kind of the next thing is uh the header for this was is modest hottest which i thought was a little bit funny but yes this kind of talks about um 19th century women and what they wore and yeah women were kept uh compliant in their own like sexual objectification and any transgressions were like punished public shaming etc and there was this book called Pantaloons and Power, a 19th century dress reform in the United States. Very long title. The author being Gail V. Fisher. And yeah, she noticed, she notes that when 19th century women, they had to go onto the carriage, you know, with their horses. You know what a carriage is. And they had to like lift up their skirts to climb into it. They would flash their ankles in the process. And she could expect surrounding men to loudly and lewdly let her know, hey, your ankles are showing. Ooh, look at those ankles. Man, what I would do to those ankles. Like, <laughs> what? Like, she's just trying to get into a carriage, man. Leave the lady alone. She is a lady with that dress. Leave her alone. Yeah. And so, that wasn't so great. And then if you go into a different culture, so this is like the Roman Persian empires. So they had uh, upper class women, they covered their hair or their faces uh, to avoid men staring at them. And yeah, and basically it, it was a little bit different. So yeah, they might get, you know, whistles, catcalls, but simply being like looked at or lusted over in public. Um... That could really wound a woman's uh, respect being respectable and also like her family. So if a girl, if a woman is goggled at by a man, the man says something like, oh, you're looking, you're looking good or whatever, um, that can really put a hinder on her reputation and on her entire family's reputation. Yeah, and then women of lower um, social status or material, like, money status, perhaps, like, enslaved women, they could not sometimes even legally wear that hairpiece, and that, like, symbol symbolically stripped them of these these things used to, to try to stop that. Yeah. So that's not so nice. Um, and then something 
I thought that was interesting. I'm worried this episode's gonna be too short, but that's okay. Um, is it has a little like field note section called Modesty versus Science, and it's about the color red and how um, red in our like in men's brains or yeah there's a behavior psychologist that called this the red dress effect and if you've seen the bachelor it's in there all the time um and they did a a study where women wore pink brown and red lipsticks into a bar and the woman who wore the red lipsticks got the most male attention and it didn't say if the woman wanted that attention or not but yeah the red lipstick got the most attention and basically, like, wearing red, red lipstick, red makeup, red clothing, red lingerie, whatever, it has this association, like, okay, this was a quote, that feminine plus red equals bed. Straight men subconsciously perceive that women wearing it are more down for sex. Uh, which... I mean, how how many lingerie pieces do you see in red? You know, that's kind of interesting. And then also, it has the reverse. So, men wearing red, it has this... It doesn't evoke being sexy, but instead it evokes rage, the feelings of rage and violence. And it's more of a menacing and almost like scary and intimidating association. I thought about that, and... Yeah, I think if, like, a man was wearing, like, red boxes, I wouldn't think about it that much, but I think the back of my brain, I'd be like, oh, uh, mm, little, little bit, little bit off, versus something neutral, like, black boxes or gray boxes, you know, versus, like, red bra and panties, that's like, wow, look at that, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, moving on, so... Next, we're going to talk about chivalry and entitlement. Um, sorry, I'm saying I'm a lot. I didn't prepare too much for this. And also, I'm hungry and I kind of have to pee. So basically, yeah, there's a lot of entitlement for this nice guy character. Like, these men who are just like oh I'm a nice guy there's a ex- this expectation that when a guy is nice he is allowed to exchange his niceness or his chivalry in a way for like sex you know like oh but I paid for your drink why are you not going home with me? I paid for your drink. Isn't that what you want? And they get really, like, a uh, deep anger because that nice guy, etiquette, etiquette is being in quotation marks, doesn't equal uh, sexual access to the woman, you know? And I feel like I've seen this a lot online as well, just like, oh, but I'm a nice guy. Like, I'm... I'm I'm a, I'm a nice guy. Well, women don't want nice guys anymore. They just want jerks. Women, yeah. 
oof, it's it's really toxic. And it's like, if you were actually a, a good guy, a nice guy, you wouldn't have to call yourself a nice guy. You wouldn't feel uh, anger towards getting rejected, which is the worst possible <laughs> response I feel to rejection. Yeah. And there's also like the uh, the pickup artists, which kind of made me kind of made me think of um, Barney from How I Met Your Mother, with like the art of seduction to like strategically figure out the like how to bring home a woman, um, like maybe even like low key insulting her to the fact that she's like, well, he's masculine enough. I don't know. It, it was weirdly worded but also yeah it just it kind of made me think of a bunny like being very strategic he had his whole bro code right of like the tricks and tips and things he would use to to bring women over yeah it's funny that that actor is gay af in real life but he plays such a straight white man oh no i want you out there that's a funny show i'm not shitting on the show okay so the next part uh, six hallmarks of highly toxic masculinity. Okay, I'm going to go through a few of these, which I thought was interesting. Um, first of all, locker room talk. This has been used as an excuse to say super horrific misogynist things uh, because you're just like having locker room talk. It's just locker room talk, you know? It's fine. Like, I was so, so utterly disgusted when Trump said, like, oh, the grabber by the pussy, quote, that Access Hollywood taped uh, when he was talking to uh, Billy Bush. And then he still won. Then he still won. I was, like, 16, 17 when that came out. And I was, like, deeply disgusted. And it's like, oh, it's just locker room talk oh yeah, just grab him by the pussy, like, I'm rich, so it's fine, I can do anything, like, gross, and, yeah, that goes hand in hand with, like, the boys will be boys, just deal with it, ideology, you know, that's just, that's just how, that's just how men are, that's just how men talk about women behind their backs, no, no, like, uh, no, no, then there's, like, the bro code, where it's, like, if guys, if a man is saying something misogynistic or just, like, icky in front of his dudes, like, none of his guy friends are gonna be, like, hey, man, maybe don't say that, you know, like, is that that bro code of, like, that oath to not denounce that bad behavior, which is also kind of enabling that behavior if you don't um, speak out about it, you know? Like, yeah, I'm reading this book called Normal People, and it's kind of hard for me to read. It's a little bit gory, a little bit graphic and psychologically hard to read, but there's a scene when these boys are in high school, and... I think it's like the pre-prom dinner or something. And one of the boys, he's showing off a naked picture of his girlfriend to all the other guys. And then the main dude is like, hey, that's kind of, kind of, 
shitty of you to be doing that. And it's like, man, can't you just, why you gotta be so serious? Can't you just laugh it off? Like, you know, and he got really, like, denounced for trying to speak up about it. Yeah. Um, and then another one is, like, was titled Girl Watching, where, like, men who are hanging out with other men at a club, at a bar, wherever, and they, like, are openly checking out women, are, like, openly talking grossly about these women to one another you know kind of like boosting each other up like organized sexual objectification like as if it's a hobby as if it's a thing to do like yeah also like the the well what about the guy when it comes to freaking like harassment like Men, men just, or like, men just have it so much bad. Men just have it just as bad, if not worse, than women. You know, when I read this, I thought about that case. I think it was called, I think his name was Brock something. And, when was it? I was in high school. Basically, he raped this girl in university. And she was found by some bicyclists, like, behind a dumpster. And he went to court. And I think he got like zero he got like zero jail time he got like a month and then he left early on good behavior and his mom was crying like the the man who raped this woman his mom was like crying in the courtroom like why why him like why him like what did he ever do to deserve jail time like he's such a good student and like they're literally using his school status as a reason not to um send him to jail, you know? And that goes into another point of, like, the superstars. Like, um, you know, they don't... <laughs> they they have such a high status that they don't want to, um, send them to jail or call them out on this type of behavior, you know? Yeah. Oh, okay, I wanted to talk about this thing real quick and this may be the this gonna be the last thing I talk about yeah so the the missed opportunities okay so in 68 countries women are particularly vulnerable to, se- to sexual harassment because the government doesn't have enough laws in the workplace to protect them basically and women already make up less than half of the workforce and a lot of these industries are like male-dominated industries right and the harassment in the workplace is used as a way to, like, protect men and protect their careers. And there's a quote by a professor um, in from University of Virginia, good old UVA. I know a lot of students who went there. I'm from Virginia myself. And he said, all men have benefited from the reduced competition of women who have been destituted from certain careers or certain companies. And he goes on to say, if a woman has a bad experience in graduate school and decides not to become a professor, that is one less woman who applied to the same jobs I did, and that meant more room for me. Like, just take that in. Because women get sexually harassed in the workplace, they don't 
want to be in the workplace and that leaves more room for men to idle at their career. Yeah, this was said by a professor at UVA named, okay, the first name is Siva, S-I-V-A, and the last name is V-A-I-D-H-Y-A-N-A-T-H-A-N. Lots of letters. Like, this sexual harassment in the workplace literally forces women off of their career paths. No, not even talking about, like, uh, women getting pregnant and leaving the workplace, women raising families having to leave the workplace, etc. But, like, women getting harassed in the workplace, not having the protection they need to defend themselves, like, the legality of it to defend themselves. And it's, it's just kind of seen and, like, it's benefited men in the workplace because of less competition fighting for the same jobs like that's shitty that's so shitty anyway yeah so next week i am going to continue this chapter and take it from there i'm wondering if there's anything else i wanted to talk about Um, I really have to pee now, so I think I'm going to end it here, but it was lovely chatting with y'all. And, yeah. So, it's, it's been good. And wish me luck at my interview on Wednesday. It's for an internship, uh, in the city here. So, we'll see how that goes. Fingers crossed for me. Okay, bye! I love you! Mwah!